Good afternoon and thank you for joining me again for Business, the Law and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program we'll have a look at one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This particular one is three ways to keep your brain in shape. We're also going to have a chat with Christina a bit later on uh, about when destruction happens and uh, when you might have a safe business and suddenly it disappears from under you. But right now we don't have another guest, so I'm going to have a little five-minute segment with you talking about scams because we've got that very powerful tool, the Internet, and it's a, a fantastic tool for, for businesses, particularly small businesses, but of course there's always that negative side to all the good things as well and we've seen certainly the negative side to the internet this week um, and scams of course is one of those ones that do affect small businesses or all businesses really in fact uh, this little booklet I've got here from the ACCC called The Little Black Book of Scams. It's got some fantastic information in it. And it says that every year, scams cost Australians, business and the economy hundreds of millions of dollars and cause emotional harm to victims and their families. And the first little bit of note that is, and it's interesting for you to consider, protect yourself, sign up to Scamwatch. To stay one step ahead of your scammers, learn more by visiting the ACCC's Scamwatch website, which is www.scamwatch.gov.au, where you can sign up for free email alerts on new scams targeting consumers and small businesses. And you can also follow Scamwatch on Twitter and other media if you want to. But let's look at some of the uh, scams that do uh, affect us. Uh, there's ones on investment scams, which obviously form uh, many forms, including business ventures, superannuation schemes, managed funds and the sale of purchase of shares or property. There's scams that have threats and penalty scams in them when they're talking about you might have got a speeding fine or a tax office debt or an unpaid bill. And then there is uh, unexpected money scams, which tell you, you know, you've won millions of dollars this week or something like that, uh, which is usually those prize and lottery type scams. But I particularly want to focus this morning, or this afternoon, I should say, on uh, the small business scams because they're the ones that really can affect our business. Uh, and the first one is a, a false billing scam. Most recent common trick scammers use against small businesses. Scammers issue fake bills for unwanted or unauthorised listings, advertisements, products or services. And the business directory scam is well-known example where you receive a bill for a listing in a supposedly well-known directory. Scammers trick you to sign up by disguising the offer as an outstanding invoice or a free listing, but with a hidden subscription agreement in the fine print. And I think I mentioned this other one last week. The domain sc name scam is another ploy used by scammers where you are deceived into signing up for an unsolicited internet domain registration very similar to your own. You may also receive a fake renewal notice for your actual domain name and pay it without realising. And certainly some of my clients over the last couple of years have been caught up in that one. An office supply scam involves you receiving and being charged for products that you did not order. These scams often involve products or services that you regularly order, such as stationery or cleaning supplies. Scammers typically call your business pretending that your service or product is already being ordered. 
Uh, and then there's the payment redirection scams involve a scammer using information that they've obtained by hacking your computer systems. They then pose as one of your regular suppliers and tell you that their banking details have changed. They may tell you that you've recently uh, changed banks and may use copied letterheads and branding to convince you that they are leg legitimate. And they'll provide you with a new bank account number and ask that all future payments uh, be, be paid into that account. And then, of course, the one of those dangerous ones, ransomware, can be extremely da damaging for business. And the best defence to back up your data regularly and store your backups off-site and offline. So there's, there's some of the ones that small businesses are getting scammed on. And towards the end of this little booklet, it talks about the golden rules to protect yourself. Be alert to the fact that scams exist. Know who you're dealing with. Do not open suspicious texts, pop-up windows or emails. Delete them. It's amazing how many people sometimes open those unsolicited uh, emails and then click on the wrong buttons. Keep your personal details secure. Put a lock on your mailbox and shred your bills and other important documents before throwing them out. Be aware of unusual payment methods. Scammers often use... Uh, ask for payment by wire transfers or preloaded cards, even iTunes cards and Bitcoin. Keep your mobile device and computers secure. Always use password protection and don't share access of those devices with other people. Choose your passwords carefully. Choose passwords that could be difficult for others to guess and update them regularly. And use a combination of upper and lower cases and numbers and symbols. Be aware of any re requests for details or money. Never send money or give credit card numbers online, account details or other th information out to people. And the other one is to be careful when shopping online. Be aware of offers that seem too good to be true and always use an online shopping service that you know and trust. So some fantastic little... Uh, points there, some little information and it's worth visiting that ACCC website uh, which is uh, scamwatch.gov.au and keep up to date. Time to pop over and have our chat with Christina. Good afternoon Christina. Good afternoon Julian, how are you today? I'm um, very well thank you and we're going to talk about destruction, when destruction happens. Yeah, so disruption is a funny thing. People think that it's uh, potentially a, a technic technical new technology that's going to come out to disrupt a business, you know, take a business in a new direction. So we've spoken about, you know, lawyers being disrupted because of their, um, you know, things online might come up. The, the young guy in the States, 19-year-old, who um, has now got an online method of helping people get off traffic fines, etc. But disruption can happen in any field, and it, can, it happens in established product fields as well so um what i was reading earlier this morning which which kind of made me think this was a really good thing to, for us to talk about today um mm. zippers okay the zipper industry is huge have, have a think about how many articles of clothing you have in your wardrobe zippers. that has a zipper on it yeah so at the moment there's a there's a company called ykk um, out of Japan, yeah, yeah. and they own yeah they own the zipper industry, right? They make something like seven billion zippers a year, which is phenomenal. But recently, there's a um, a Chinese challenger, SBS 
got nothing to do with our, um, our TV Irish station, base. but SBS, yeah. Um, and it's, it's establishing itself as the go-to for affordably priced zippers to mass market brands like Adidas. Mm. Um, so it's actually encroaching on um, on YKK's top tier. It's been doing so over the last decade. Do you know how they say that 10-year that yeah. overnight success story? So they've been working at this for about 10 years. Um, but then we've also realised that SBS isn't the only Chinese company uh, that has, you know, as they say, got skin in the game, in the zipper game. There's actually a dozen or so smaller um, Chinese firms that are now doing it. So I guess the moral to that story is that there is no certainty in anything anymore uh even you know even down to the to the zipper which most people don't know that there's one you know ykk are producing mm. seven billion um so the, it's also that thing about we don't know what we don't know and we don't know so much and we can't know everything which kind of is a really good segue into um the next the next discussion point that that we spoke about earlier research. um yeah, yeah, research. Yeah. And, so of course, uh, the, the, the point that you've just been raising about when disruption disruption happens, we should also be aware of that and keep a good eye on We don't know what's going on in the marketplace. I think a lot of businesses are really uh, not mindful of what's going on and obviously the Chinese are going to be a, a, a threat to a lot of businesses over the next few years. Yeah, and India. So China, China mm, and India... Mm. Um, really stepping up and once upon a time it was just you know to make cheap fake um, duplicates of what was being produced everywhere else now they're actually making top quality, quality product yeah, yeah that's well, of course that so, was Japan, J- Japan just after the war too when that's they, right, they yeah. were known for the cheap products and then of course over the years their products have got more and more and better quality and yeah, now and what, a, what an economic ride Japan's had exactly Exactly. Um, so research, yeah, we can talk research, about the yeah. importance of research or getting your research right. Yeah, so the thing that's brought that to light um, is recently Shoes of Prey. So top Australian um, startup online, Shoes of Prey, uh, have gone into administration. And what Shoes of Prey were, for those listeners that don't know, they were they, you, you customised shoes. So you could go online, pick the fabric, pick the heel, pick the colour. Um, you would, you would customise your shoes. And there were several factors that they believe have has led or have led to um, the demise of shoes of prey. So things like they were average price of a pair of shoes was around two hundred and fifty dollars. So mm. at frequency, if you need people to keep returning to your site and buy and buy shoes, how many times are people going to return and buy two hundred and fifty dollars worth of um, worth of shoes? They you know, last for years. They well, they do, they, and at least they're meant to. Mm. Um, they would take a couple of weeks to get to you. Now, in some instances, that was uh, not a problem at all because mostly, if you want to customise shoes, mostly it's for an important event and you can you can wait. Um, this company raised thirty point six million dollars uh, at, at some point in the, in their um, you know their startup phases, and that's not that's a quite a substantial amount mm-hmm. of money. And they mm-hmm. had some pretty high investors, you know, people who really believed in the idea. And the idea, if you think about it, is really clever they've been they've been around since 2009 they made the usual you know usual journeys of will have an online experience will improve the online experience uh and then it was all based so here we go here's the here's the where the research comes in um there was a a research system that was created with shoes of prey where they went to market and said well you know do people actually want customized shoes so is customized shoes something that we can sell um, is it a marketable commodity? All the research said yes. 
because mm. we are living like customization has never been bigger than it is now mm. the flip mm. side of customization is that we are overwhelmed by choice of product so do we really need to customize product when we're overwhelmed by the choice of product that we actually have so you know that these were a couple of questions that were being that are being asked and everything's easy in hindsight uh, and you got to remember that we had some really top investors that were saying that shoes are pro were the way to go. But how did the questions, what was the question, how did the research take place around will people, are people interested in customised shoes? So you, you can sort of, you go to a market and it depends on the type of questions that you ask. So are you open, are you asking open questions or closed questions? Would you like to customise your shoes, yes or no? Mm. Um, as opposed to which opportunities, which events, which festivities would you like to customise shoes? How often would you buy customised shoes? Would you pay X amount of dollars for customised shoes? So I'm not exactly sure about what the, what the research questions were that went but with um, the product. They were probably the questions you've just asked and they're, they're yes, no answers. Some, yeah, so some of them are, and, you know, yes, no answers are not going to get you anywhere. So we exactly. always need, in your customer satisfaction surveys, don't do the multiple choice. You know, for me, multiple choice is, is or do a mix. I shouldn't say don't do multiple choice. For me, it's always do a mix of multiple choice and get on the phone and talk to customers because you can hear hesitancy in a voice. Yeah. You know when to drill down further. You know if you know when you say to somebody, hey, are you happy with our service? And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you go, well, what is that? You know, what, where did that hesitancy come from? Mm. Let me drill down on that. And you can find out some really amazing things that can help you um, with all your customer research just by listening to people. So with our clients, we never say just put out a, a you know, don't, monkey survey, do a monkey mm. survey. Mm. Um, it's always around hey, ask the questions, but then have a, have a conversation. And sometimes the best customer experiences or the best customer surveys um, are when you take a client out for a coffee, depending, of course, on the size of your business. Of and, course. You know, how many people you might want to do this to. But it's a really good idea to randomly take some people out, mm. um, you know, randomly select which clients across the board, different different sectors of your business, take them out, ask them relevant questions and drill down. Or have a proper focus group. True, yeah, but, you know, sometimes people aren't that, that open in a focus group either. Mm, yeah. So focus groups, I think, definitely work, um, but I think you also need the next stage. So, you know, you might do something like do a survey, have, you know, multiple choice questions, have the focus group, and then select several people from the focus group to do the one-on-one -on -one interview coffee with. with. Yeah. yeah, because that's where, often I tell you the, the research, that's where the gold comes is when you're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody. And, and it's a good point that you raise. I mean, uh, just asking yes, no questions or ticking boxes. These days I've noticed some of the uh, customer survey ones after, after you've had a good experience, they'll often say, why did you tick that number? Yeah, and, that's and, right. And yeah. ask for a second, a second backup. Uh, yeah, they'll draw uh, down. Yeah. And won't let you but follow you on. And I think a perfect example of this is remember years ago Coke did a taste Coke came up with a new formula um, and they brought out they did a taste test between the new Coke that they had the old Coke they had in Pepsi and the new Coke recipe um, won hands down but then Coke copped a lot of flack because, and people didn't buy the new product because they were offended that Coke had gone against tradition mm. um, and created this new brand which is why we now have new coke and classic coke you know mm, they mm. they actually had to fit the product back into the market it was it was it was happened quite some time ago but it made time magazine headlines it got headlines all over the world how dare coke change change the things. recipe 
Yeah. yeah, so the taste test wasn't enough. People should have said how married, you know, the, the survey could have said how married are you to Coke, why do you drink Coke, you know, is it the tradition, whatever the, I mean, everything's easy in hindsight, as I said of before. Of course, yeah. Um, but it's not always that customer survey that, that comes out with all the aces at the end. Are you gone? Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can okay. you hear me? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because I say, well, thanks for your time this week. We'll have a chat with you again next week. My pleasure, Julian. Look forward to it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina there with, you know, when disruption happens and uh, getting our research right. I think then we often get that part wrong. And we've just got time for one of our Harvard Business Review tips. Uh, this particular one is three ways to keep your brain in shape. The notion that we lose brain cells as we age have thankfully been disproved. But to continue to har harness your brain power on the job, you need to keep your brain cells in good shape. And here are three ways to make sure your brain stays healthy. Firstly, keep working. Most modern jobs involve multi-layered thinking, problem-solving and socialising, all of which are good exercises for the brain. Secondly, seek out new ideas and people. Get out of your thinking comfort zone and search for new ideas and people that rattle established brain patterns and challenge you to think in new ways. And thirdly, breathe. Let the heart, the brain, like the heart, the brain needs oxygen and blood flow. The current star in brain science research is exercise. So get up and move around. So some interesting comments there. We'll come, uh, so thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at those scams around and uh, the ACCC website on ScamWatch is certainly worth looking at and uh, signing up to get those emails so that you know what scams are happening. And we've looked at when disruption happens and the importance of research in your business. In a moment, Greg Richards will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to talk about the wage awards system and particularly relating to family businesses with lawyer Warwick Ryan. We're going to have a minute on innovation with Christina and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and as Bertrand Russell once said, the world is full of magical things patiently waiting for our wits to grow sharper. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.